Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Nearly Forgot the Name of the Podcast, Season 8, Episode 7. Listener Andy is uh, making funny faces at me, it's totally worth always do it. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. (laughs) And uh, the thing that we're going to be talking about this evening is... Is a movie called Relic. Relic. I think I've heard of that. Okay. Yeah, it's quite new. I think I think I haven't watched it. Am I supposed to do a? Uh, I think I've heard of it too much to do like a hilarious uh, plot summary. Well, I think you should try it anyway. You should do okay. your rollicking Disney adventure. Okay. <laughs> I think that this is a rollicking Disney adventure. Cool, cool. About two um, baby mice Ooh. who find a uh, a relic in a shipwreck when they're exploring in the. Under the water, under the sea. Really? Under the sea? Mice under the sea? Mice who are exploring under the sea, and they find this um, relic, which we know exactly what it is, but they have absolutely no idea. Hmm. And uh, uh, eventually, like, what it actually is plays a critical part in the plot. Hmm. Um, And and something, to them, miraculous happens. It's like a spiritual experience. Right. Um... So it's just, in a way, it's a weird commentary on religion, right? Because it, we know that this is not like a spiritual thing that's happening, a magical thing. You know, we know that it's actually. I'm, and I'm not spoiling it for you. That's why I'm not telling you what the what the okay. thing is. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, but they see this as like a a profound, life changing thing that happens, and and you know, it resolves the, okay. the peril that they're in. That's interesting, though, about being profound and life changing. Right. It's not that film. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think unlike a lot of the rollicking Disney adventures, I wouldn't pay money to see that film. Really? I, I, yeah. I thought it started to get quite interesting. I think, it, so- I think it sounds okay. I mean, it, it, yeah. It's not as strong as some of the other things that you've, um, you've pitched oh. to me. Well, that's, you know, I mean, it's been a lot of episodes. There's been a lot of episodes. Yeah. Quality is bound to Over 100, dip. in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read Fictions by... Not Gabriel Garcia Marquez, another magic realist whose name I've forgotten. I have not. Is it good? So, I'm not sure if it's the whole of fictions or just one section of it. Mm. But it's but there is a section at least, possibly a whole book, in which he he writes like the cover blurb for books that don't actually exist. Oh, I have heard of this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're amazing. It's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. I think I'd like to do that. It's a lot less effort than writing. Writing cover blurb. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you just get to make up some stuff, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like um, uh, the finest fiction to come out of South Devon since the last <laughs> finest thing to come out of South Devon. Something like that. <laughs> you know. that sounds quite boring. Oh, it's by Borges. Uh, Georges-Louis uh, Borges. Okay, yes. Borges. Borges, but I, I have heard it. of the um, thing that you're talking about. Yeah, it sounds very fictiones. Um, so before we dive into the pod, <laughs> had, um, this is not new news, and it, it's not sad news either. Actually, it's good news. Oh, it's not it's, your weekly. No, death it's not the weekly death service. announcement. No. So <clears throat> um, I have spoken on this pod a couple of times about a show called Toast of London, mm-hmm. which was on Channel Four quite a few years ago now, starring Matt Berry and others, uh, that's getting a sequel on the BBC 
called Toast of Tinseltown. What kind of show is it? It's about an actor, it? a struggling actor called Stephen Toast, mm-hmm. who pronounces his his words in a strange way. That's that's the <laughs> sort of the big thing of the show. So is it a comedy? Oh yeah, program? it's very okay, broad, okay. a very broad okay. comedy. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's struggling. He can't find any good work. His agent gives him these terrible voiceover jobs. Um, there's a running gag with an actor called Clem, not an actor, uh, engine sound engineer called Clem Fandango. <laughs> um, hopefully, Clem Fandango will be in Toast of Tinseltown. Anyway, there's a sequel happening. Uh, uh-huh, where Stephen uh-huh. Toast goes to Hollywood and tries to make it there. Right. Is it uh, being made by the BBC? It is, yeah. Okay, okay. But it's the same character, which is very satisfying. So um, Cool. Yeah, so when that when that finally arrives, um, we'll talk about it on the pod. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's cool. I should. How, how would I seek out the original if I wanted to watch it? Um, it's available on Netflix and it will be on all four as well because it Ooh. was a Channel 4 show. Right. <clears throat> so um, you can I go to it. it to my list. It's very, very funny. Irreverent is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, anyway, back on to the on today's movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. feature um, sentient mice or indeed a shipwreck. Who can breathe underwater. Uh, indeed, yes. In fact, it is a 2020, so pretty much bang up to date. Wow. Australian horror drama film. So we're in okay. our we're in our kind of genre wheelhouse there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, directed by uh, Natalie Erica James, from a screenplay by James and Christian White, mm-hmm. and the film stars Emily Mortimer, Robin Nevin, and Bella Heathcote. So would we know any of those names from anywhere else? Um, so I'm familiar with Emily Mortimer, who's a uh, a British actress who's been working for a long time. She's daughter of um, John Mortimer, the playwright and barrister, mm-hmm. who's sadly no longer with us. Um, Bella Heathcote, I've definitely heard of. She's an Australian actress. Um, but it had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival last year, 2020. It was released in July last year uh, and had good reviews. Very, very mm-hmm. good reviews. So I heard about this on the radio and um, thought that sounds very intriguing. So proper good horror that's not just either made for kids or just yeah. repeating the same themes. No, this is rare. very... This is um, in the same vein, or at least similar vein, to The Babadook, another Australian mm-hmm. horror drama film that we talked about on this pod. We did. I felt that I would like to watch it. Yeah, so it's in the similar vein to that in that it is about adult problems rather than supernatural, possibly supernatural stuff that's going on. But anyway, I won't mm. give too much away. We'll sort of dive into the the plot of the film. So Edna, who is suffering from dementia, um, she's elderly and she's the widowed matriarch of the family. She goes missing. Um, nobody knows where she is. She lives alone. So her daughter Kay, who's played by Emily Mortimer, and her granddaughter Sam, who's Emily Mortimer's daughter, travel uh, to the remote family home to find her. They discover the house locked from the inside and a strange black mould-like substance on an upstairs wall. 
mm-hmm. and much of the furniture has been adorned with post-it notes, uh, which are sort of reminders that Edna has left for herself. Sounds potentially creepy. It is, yeah. So the the I'd say the opening 15, 20 minutes are are basically punctuated by very long tracking shots inside the house, mm-hmm. wherein we don't really see anything happening, but because the camera's moving quite slowly, there's lots of shadows, and your eye is drawn to stuff around you. You're looking for anything, really, any kind of clues into what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's very effective. That's very creepy. And, and that sense of being being somewhere that's it's kind of abandoned and kind of a, someone's private place. Yeah, and particularly as it's locked from the inside, but Edna is missing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then in a in a scene we see uh, we an establishing shot of Mum being asleep and granddaughter being asleep, or her daughter being asleep, and then we see someone's hand brush the hair of one of the characters. And we know mm-hmm. from the establishing shot that it's neither of them that's doing it. It's somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, we find Edna just in the kitchen making food. Seemingly mm-hmm. com- just appear- has reappeared as if mm-hmm. from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they, <clears throat> what they gradually discover is that there's a, an area of the house that is um, appears to be separate from the rest of the house. It's been closed off in a room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see it from outside the house. You can't really see the structure of it, but it is there. And um, the granddaughter goes in there to have a look around, but gets lost. It's sort of in these labyrinth corridors. Mm-hmm. Um, Quite big then. Yeah. Um, she she manages to make it out. And uh, mum goes to see the neighbour, because the neighbour was keeping an eye on Edna. And in fact, it was the neighbour that phoned them to say that she's missing. We can't find her anywhere. And the neighbour says that they kind of pulled away uh, from her because she was playing hide-and-seek with their son and she'd locked the son in a cupboard and then mm-hmm. forgot he was there. And he was quite distressed by this, understandably um, mm-hmm. distressed. So... Uh, so they feel very embarrassed about that and say, oh, I'm really mm. sorry that happened. Um, you know, she's mm. not really herself. And they're contemplating putting her in a care home. Um, Edna hears about this and is vehemently opposed to it and starts mm-hmm. to work on the granddaughter saying, well, why don't you come and live with me? You can come and live with me and look after me because mm-hmm. your mum doesn't want to do it, so you can do it. And I'm, um, you know, sort of being quite manipulative Right. Um, granddaughter seems actually quite on board with this because there is some friction between these three women mm-hmm. um, and granddaughter kind of agrees to it to sort of wind up her mum in a way try and right. um, outmaneuver her um, but then things go wrong when granddaughter uh, they notice a uh, they notice a black bruise on Edna that's mm-hmm. the same as the mouldy colour on the mm-hmm. walls. And they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what it is. Um, granddaughter then 
uh, goes into those corridors I was talking about and gets completely lost, can't find her way out again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Edna takes a turn for the worse with her dementia and follows granddaughter in there in a kind of right. um, in a kind of uh, creepy slasher kind of way. Yeah, like so Edna so far seems like She's, she's quite creepy. Guy. Yeah, she's quite creepy. I mean, she um, at one point earlier in the film, she has a moment of a lucid moment with her daughter, and says, "Oh, no, with the granddaughter, with the granddaughter." She says, "Um, oh, you should have my wedding ring, so that you can have that for, you know, you you can use that for when you get married." She gives it to her. Then the next day, she says, "Why have you got my ring on? Give me it back," and just grabs it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is really upsetting. Yeah. Um, so, in the way that it, descri- it it describes, you know, people who suffer from dementia, it's very, quite troubling and very realistic mm. in the way that sometimes or frequently people with dementia can become quite aggressive and confused because they maybe don't want to be asked the same question several times and they don't understand why they're being, what's going on. Mm. Um, that's it's very realistic, I think, mm. um, in that way, and that is um, that's good in the way that it portrays mm. that. But <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's this kind of slasher stuff in the final third of the film. But what then happens is that uh, Mum attacks Edna and gets the granddaughter out the house, and then stops and says, no, I can't leave. I can't leave her here like this. So she goes back in. Uh, she picks Edna up. She takes her upstairs. And this um, bruised skin that I was talking about is now all over her body. Mm-hmm. And mum kind of peels it off. It's quite, okay. it's quite gross, quite disgusting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, kind of cathartic. Mm-hmm. Because what she's peeling away is like the dementia and the disease. Yeah. And then she just lies down with her mum. And then granddaughter comes in and they all lie down together. And her mum looks mm-hmm. really peaceful. And kind of like the the least kind of um, agitated that she's been since they got there. Um, And what... Yeah. And then the movie ends. And it's um, it's really profound, in fact, because... What the film is about is is generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Is this event that happened years before um, that that Edna is still holding on to, mm-hmm. and the kind of peeling of the skin away is sort of removing all of that from her, and the guilt and the and the trauma of that is gone, mm. and she's just Edna, and then they kind of settle down with her. Um, it's really interesting this movie really profoundly powerful piece of work but also a very effective horror movie so in the sa- as i was saying in the same vein as the babadook mm-hmm. which manages to be a film about survivor's guilt and not being able to move on from a traumatic event but at the same time it's a really effective horror movie mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the similar kind of deal um so it is an, it is it, it it doesn't rely on jump scares to get its 
its stuff across. It relies on very slow um, scenes in which not much happens, but you are constantly waiting for something to happen. <laughs> and that's very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if you've read reviews of this or previews or something, then you know that it's a horror movie of a kind. So you are expecting something to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what really makes it work incredibly well. So it sounds like, like normally I would ask you what uh, what's the kind of underlying meaning of the film is, but it sounds like you've already talked about that a bit because you talked about dementia... Yeah, we talked about generational trauma, and yeah. that I can definitely imagine like scenes like in, going into uh, an old person's house uh, and seeing like just the little things that make up their life, and perhaps sometimes it, you know getting the impression that it's a lonely life is a very scary yeah creepy experience it is i can understand the creepiness of that then i can understand the um the the kind of horror of having a relationship with someone whose personality is changing through dementia and i can understand turning that into a a horror film yes um but it's not exploitative i think that that's Mm -hmm. the important Mm -hmm. thing here it doesn't exploit dementia as a horror movie trope Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's more like expressing that yes, trauma yes. in a like fictionalized form. Is that what? Is that right? Yes, exactly. So right, it doesn't right, right. exploit the fact that Edna has dementia. It uses it as a plot device. Right. Um, but it's also like it, it seems like it's like trying to express what it feels like, but in like a horror movie genre way. Yeah, absolutely. Fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think um, yeah, that's completely fair. It's very, very good, Relic. So then the questions that I'm left with <clears throat> yes. are around what, what does the end mean with the peeling off of the thing? You know, is that just a, like, w- I wish I could take all this stuff away? Yes. Or is it about when? Yes, definitely. So her mum... Right, right, right. So Edna... So uh, the mum, played by Emily Mortimer, has obviously history with her mum. And the peeling away of the skin is, is yeah, peeling away this guilt and this trauma from her and also the dementia from her Mm. and just leaving her with Edna being underneath. Mm. Um, And that's initially grotesque, but then very powerful and very moving because then you realize what actually is happening there Mm. and that it's Mm. not something that's there to gross you out. It's actually a really important part of the story. Uh, and and the decision that Emily Mortimer makes as she's outside the house when they re- when they think okay we've got out of there, her decision mm-hmm. to go back in makes sense because she has unfinished business. And that she feels very real, doesn't she it? She can't I mean, leave what, her mum on the floor, you know. Yeah, yeah, it does feel that's very real. Yeah, some people have to make that kind of decision. You know, I'm going to go back and visit, even though last time it was it was so hard. It was awful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. sounds amazing. So um, the critical response was that it, it it ratchets up its slowly building tension in an expertly crafted atmosphere of dread, adding up to an outstanding feature debut for director and co-writer Natalie Erica James. Um, Justin Chang, speaking on Fresh Air, said, 
There are no shocking twists or contrivances, and not a lot of gore either, but it excels at mining dread and tension from ordinary conversation. <laughs> um, that's an interesting thing, actually. So that's the kind of thing that Stephen King does very well, hmm. is that he takes a domestic scenario and then twists it and turns it and turns it into something that maybe you weren't expecting. And that's what you get here as well, is that you get... Um, you get a domestic scenario whereby a mum is suffering from dementia and there's friction between um, Emily Mortimer and her daughter and there's friction between the three of them in this house where Edna doesn't actually seem to want them there very much. She doesn't really acknowledge them mm. there very much during the film. But they feel a sense of guilt and duty mm. to be there. Yeah. Um, because they feel that they've maybe neglected her. And, and the horror is then, you know, watching your parents slowly deteriorate. That's the actual mm. horror of the movie, mm. is somebody just uh, slowly disappearing. Mm. Um, it's really good. Really unexpected, actually. I was expecting... I didn't know a lot about it going in. I knew that it had good reviews... And that I was interested in watching it. Um, but it was unexpected in that the, the generational trauma stuff uh, was was a real surprise. Mm-hmm. An, an unexpected and very pleasant surprise, actually, because it works really well in terms of the plot. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, sounds very good. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it sounds like... Uh yeah, like I said, I don't need to ask you what the meaning is because you've already told me. Yeah, that's fair. Had some <laughs> cool. um, had some big big name executive producers. Oh yeah. Well, it's just so Jake Gyllenhaal is one of the producers, the actual right. producers, and then the execs are Joe and Anthony Russo, who are uh, they've worked on a show called Community years ago. Yeah, yeah, I've and they that. are they that. are now they've they've directed quite a few of the Marvel. Uh, superhero movies they're very cine literate directors right Um, so they're a couple of the execs so you know movies like this get made because sometimes because you have big name producers on board Mm. and they can they can attract funding so um, so what's an executive producer an exec doesn't usually have any um, input right creative input but they're there to maybe attract some funding Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, because you know a film like this I know what, will struggle to get funding. You know, right, right, right. yeah. I know what an associate producer is because I've watched <laughs> State and Maine. It's what you. Well, what is it? Go on then. Well, in State and Maine, they talk about essentially it just being a way of getting people to do what you want. So what it is, an associate producer, as described in State and Maine, is what you give your secretary instead of giving her a raise. <laughs> A pay rise. Oh. So you say, uh, yeah, here, be, be an associate producer. <laughs> but you don't get any more money. And the job's the same. <laughs> That's and such a good of, film, that. One of the characters gets gets an associate producer credit later in the film, I remember. Yes. I Isn't it, uh, is it Sarah Jessica Parker who's the assistant? It's been so long since I've watched that. But it's a know. very... it's um, William H. Macy is the director. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Alec Baldwin 
Well, that happened. Is so isn't that it? happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Baldwin good. is great. Like, to, like, how many decades has he been playing like a, a horrible parody of himself? <laughs> I don't know, like thirty, maybe forty years now. <laughs> he's great. He's got a podcast actually called "Here's oh, the yeah. Thing." Oh yeah. Uh, he's very engaging as an interviewer. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Um, cool. I definitely think I should watch The Relic. I think you wouldn't. No, not The Relic. There is a movie oh. called The Relic, which oh, actually Relic. is not bad. It's from the 90s or 80s, 90s. Peter Hyams. Yeah, but that's film. probably the one that I'd heard of when I said I'd Yeah, probably. It. So there is a movie called The Relic. I think there are other movies with Relic in the title probably. as well. This one is just called Relic. Relic. Okay, don't yeah. make that mistake, listener. No. Well, sure I mean, you can if you want, but if you come along saying it's set in a museum and there's a beastie, it's like, no, that's the wrong relic. Yeah, don't get in all in our Twitters no. telling us telling us we've described a different film when no. it's you that got the name wrong. I mean, wrong. you can at me if you want to. I don't get this whole thing about <laughs> I'm going to drop a grenade on Twitter and then say don't at me. That's the whole point of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... You probably don't receive as much abuse on Twitter or something. I don't. No, I don't. I mean, that's not a um, that's not a, an entreaty for people to abuse me on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> Please don't. Just because I don't receive much. Although I have been very busy in the last couple of weeks um, recommending us to people. Yeah, I've noticed we, we both keep an eye on the Good Robot Andy's Twitter feed. Yes. But yeah, Andy has been... Uh, Replying to people who want podcast recommendations yeah. enthusiastically, and uh, yeah, I've been recommending us, the Good Robot Uses, and uh, the Disc Dump, who are our buddies, mm-hmm. our buddy Miles, who uh, I've been trying to get, I've been trying to get hold of him to say we want to come back on and talk about Near Dark. Uh-huh. Um, it's too soon. Oh yeah, no, but we, we want to get in the queue. We need to get in the queue. Right, okay, okay, because okay. he's a busy man. So we want to get our thing in there before somebody else gets in there and talks about Near Dark. We don't want that. <laughs> no. No. They might do it wrong. Exactly. Yes. Um, so that is Relic. It's highly recommended. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I've been watching, I've just finished season three of Fear the Walking Dead. Ah, oh, no, that's good. How did you find season three? Uh, great. Yeah, it's good, Great. isn't it? I really like the characters. I feel, I feel a bit. I was feeling a bit betrayed because none of the main characters died. But then I thought back over it and I was like, no, several main characters yeah. have died. It's just that I'm so used to it in Walking Dead that I just take it in my stride. No, like, is it oh, season three where Cliff Curtis gets shot in the helicopter and then falls out of the helicopter? Yes. Okay. Yes, and my I have opinions about that. Yes. But I'm, uh, I'll wait and see. And it's before that that they put him in a hole and he beats like yes, loads of zombies. immediately. It's incredible. Yeah, immediately scene, before that scene yeah. where he appears to be lost, he demonstrates that he is invincible. It's an incredible scene, though, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. And those people, actually, it's not those people. It's just like one or two of them in that camp are just irredeemably horrible. <laughs> it's yeah. um. It's amazing how many times I can watch the same story of 
this looks like a safe place. Yep. But oh, it no, has a, it has a <laughs> a hidden secret. And yeah. oh dear, it's all fallen apart. Yeah. No, season three strong. Um I finished season five a few weeks ago. Felt bereft because um no. No, that's right, yeah. Because season six isn't available on Amazon Prime yet, so I feel bereft now. All right. Yeah, yeah the, I, I, I was just, uh, I finished season three last night, and I was just, I was just adding season four DVD to my wish list. Right. And I saw the reviews on Amazon are pretty poor of season four. It's not terrible. I mean, it, it's, it's not, a, not as good for sure. Um, but there are some good, cool new characters in season four. Including old what's his name out of The Walking Dead. Morgan, yeah, Morgan appears in season four, yeah, which is really is cool. Great, and yeah. I'm still I've forgotten his the actor's name. I'm still got the 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 DVD of Save Me, right? Lenny James. That I'm Lenny James. I'm, yeah. I'm 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 told it's great, and I should be watching yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's some very point. good. One thing I have watched Love all Lenny of James. recently is a show called Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah, on Netflix. So this started out on YouTube Premium, which I'm not even sure is a thing anymore. YouTube Premium. I think it still is because it isn't. Doesn't it try and get? No, it's. Yeah, every time you log into YouTube, it pops up asking you. Right. So it's a pay, anyway. YouTube Premium is a pay subscription service. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Cobra Kai started life on there. It is a sequel to the Karate Kid movies. Okay. Um, nominally the first Karate Kid movie, although it does reference the other two mm-hmm. in in a small way. Um, and I heard, when I first heard about this on YouTube, it had very good reviews. And I thought, oh, that's interesting that a show on YouTube Premium is getting good reviews. Then Netflix picked up season three, because there's been two seasons on YouTube already. And mm. now the whole, <clears throat> the whole thing is available on Netflix. Oh, right. And it is... Fantastic. Hmm. It really is fantastic. So it it leans into the nostalgia, mm-hmm. but it portrays the characters that you know and probably love from the Karate Kid, which I think is a very a very lovable movie. It's a warm hug of a film. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure I've actually watched it all the way through. It takes those probably. characters and it flips the script for you in terms of what you might think be happening. Right. Um. Uh, it's really good, and again, I felt I binged that far too quickly, and now I feel utterly bereft. <laughs> I tell you, the other thing we've been enjoying, which is a guilty pleasure. Yeah. So my my son uh, pays for Disney Plus, which yes. I, I think is pointless. But they've just, like you told me, they've just put um, some some of the Fox programs on Star. Yeah. On this new thing called Star, and uh, we've been watching Bones. I've heard that Bones is good. Is that David Boreans? Yeah, 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 Angel from Buffy, and from yeah. Angel. Um, yes, it's hilariously is it bad. Good? Oh, it's bad, right? Okay, but it's well, it, it's weird, right? Because it's it's really uh, cheesy, really cheesy. But uh, it's when the relationship stuff is happening between the characters. It suddenly becomes good. It's like it's like they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and the the cheesy detective stuff and this kind of um over, massively over stereotyped Sherlock Holmes style investigator who's the 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 main character Bones. 
she's like this really stereotyped like um emotionless automaton type thing right okay you know it's really silly um but then when the relationship stuff is happening like friendships and romantic relationships it's just well written and well acted so just when you're thinking oh this is a bit of completely harmless fun you you notice there's a tear in your eye and you're like so it manipulates (laughs) you and says no no come back come back this is good um and it is uh remarkably funny as well okay and there's a lot of it which is Good. There's many, many seasons of it. <laughs> yeah. There's like 10 seasons of about 24 episodes each or something. Yeah. So there's a new show starting on um, Star called Dollface, uh-huh. which right. aired in on Hulu in the United States. Okay. Uh, it stars Kat Dennings, uh, which I heard about this morning. Um, and that sounds really good. So that might uh-huh. actually be another a new show to dive into. I presume it's the sequel to Dollhouse. It is not. No. no. <laughs> you told not. me there couldn't be. You told me, what did you say about Dollhouse? It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it had nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. <clears throat> yeah. That's what. That's the way I felt about it when I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that it was, yeah, it ran its course. Um, What have we, yeah, we've almost finished The Great on Channel 4. Been, jo- right, been enjoying yeah. The Ranganation on um, BBC Two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is a good show. I'm watching it. It's good. Yeah. We've been watching a bit more of Staged, but we didn't we haven't binged the second series of no, Staged. No, we didn't either. As we much as we, we did stopped the first. It's not quite as compelling. Maybe because it's um it's not as fresh. Mm. Uh that it's not quite as compelling, but it is still very good. It is still good. yeah, we've enjoyed every episode, but we haven't found ourselves like, oh let's just watch another one. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm still enjoying Shits Creek. Oh, it's great. We're on, we're on I feel three. bereft. Speaking of feeling bereft. Yeah, you really miss yeah. those characters. Yeah. 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 And I really miss Dirk Gently. Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix too, yeah. Yeah, we watched yeah. all of Dirk Gently quite quickly. Mm. And then I was like, oh, why Missed can't that. I watch that? And you watched um, Russian Doll, which you enjoyed. Yes, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever watch the OA? I think we watched like one episode of it. Yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> pretty well, weird. My wife watched it and I didn't. I'm not sure. I'd right, watch. right. <clears throat> yeah, good, good, strong Jason Isaac's performance in that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, talking of Jason Isaac's, I watched a movie called Skyfire. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, which is like throwaway rubbish, really, mm-hmm. in which a businessman, a South African businessman. <clears throat> built a hotel at the foot of a volcano. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen there. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was okay. Yeah, Jason Isaacs was good in it, but it was it was fine. Yeah. So I really enjoyed in Fear the Walking Dead when they laid a load of explosives all all along a dam. Oh yeah, that's a good and- one. From that moment on, you're thinking, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen at yes. the end of this season. Yes. But I just loved that anticipation. <laughs> yep. Great. No surprises or spoilers to say that they do use those explosives. Because, <laughs> you know, what else are you going to do with them? <laughs> yeah, I thought there'd have to be a scene with them having a meaningful conversation, going around collecting all of the <laughs> explosives. Yeah. Just Exactly, yeah. It's not, it's not good TV. No, indeed. 
Uh, Unless it was in the style of um, that thing where they have to drive across that bridge and they ah in the jungle sorcerer sorcerer yeah yeah indeed. Um, on the weekend, I I sat my son down and we watched it and it chapter two back to back mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. separate nights, mm-hmm. and thoroughly enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Very very good. If you ever get Is the chance to watch those, thing? yeah, he likes he likes horror. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I do, you know, that's what we do to our kids, isn't we? Don't we? <laughs> I was telling my daughter all about Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, and. Uh, Telling her that she should basically not watch it for like another couple of decades or something. Absolutely <laughs> terrify you. her. But she was like really interested. Like she was really she she appreciated that she shouldn't watch it, but she wanted to try and find something a bit like it that that she. Well, could you watch. can watch. Um, you don't have Prime, but there's on disc there will be um, Walking Dead: A World Beyond, which is a YA version of Walking oh, really? Dead. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it less gore? I have no idea. I haven't watched it. I mean, I could, I could give it a peruse and see. Um, yeah, why don't you let us know on the podcast yeah, next okay. time? Yeah, I'll It'd watch be it because that'll be my only Walking Dead that I can watch at the moment because I'm up yeah. to date with everything else. Oh, yeah. Terrible. So annoying. Terrible. So annoying. First world problems. I need, um, I need more DVDs of the actual Walking Dead. Yes. I think there may be a few more available. Yes. I think there, there are. What, then what, I've watched, what season I've are you up to? You up to ten? I think I've only watched nine. season nine, or maybe right. even six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I think I've watched nine. I'm just looking at the shelf list. Okay. I think I've watched season nine, but not season. 10. So you've seen the Whisperers? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I think that's where I'm up to as well. <clears throat> With there's another season. Negan kind of on a redemptive arc. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting when it picks back up again because Maggie's coming back. Right, right, And she hasn't seen him. Uh, She wasn't there for him being kind of um, humanised. Yeah. So she's going to be like, why is he here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He killed my husband. Yeah. And a bunch of other people. So that's going to be interesting, I think. Because she, she went to do another show which got cancelled, so she's coming back. Oh, oh, dear. Yeah. Well, you know, you come back to the thing that's successful. And it, it, you must be fortunate, because she's such a good character, mm. fortunate that she can come back to it. They didn't kill her off. Yeah, So exactly. is season 10 yeah. the last season? Uh, no. So 11 will be the last season. 11. And yeah. is that not done yet? No. Right, no. oh, so there's still more to come. There's more to come, and then there's two movies with Andrew Lincoln. Cause, to uh, come? Yes. Cause, you know, oh, they, that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because he left, come back to the UK, because he was missing his family. Right. But the character's still alive in the show. He hasn't yeah. been written out yeah. of the show. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I watched the DVD extras of Fear the Walking Dead, and three of the characters are not just British. Oh, sorry, actors, not just British. Of fear, but like, yeah, fear. But they're terribly posh English schoolboy of style fear? accent. Really, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, um, uh, Jake, the 
the son, um, the nice son, and his brother. What the blonde son? Yeah. In fear. Yeah. The so sorry. So no no no. Let me start again. So in fear in when they're on the ranch. Yes. Um, oh okay. There's, yes. there's two sons. Yes. Those two brothers. Yes. They're both rather nice. Are they nice British boys? Uh, slightly, slightly posh, quite posh English boys. I did not know this. And the main son is also a slightly posh English boy. What? Madison's son? Yeah. The blonde-haired kid? Yeah, Nick. Nick is... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But their performances are so strong that there's I know. no way... And so American, that. yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, Alicia is, I think she's Australian. Yes, Alicia is Australian. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did know that. Yeah, that's so really that was as shocking for me as Andrew. Um, Andrew what's Lincoln, his name? yeah. Andrew Lincoln being English, which is like what? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not in a position to judge the accents brilliantly, but they they all are incredibly I'd convincing. Never, I'd never noticed that. No. Yeah, not just from accent, but also. Like manner and yeah, stuff. Yeah, performance and everything just seems entirely correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's really something. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And hilarious that we export these these little little uh, public school English boys. Well, they boys. get good work, that's the thing. <laughs> Is that, you know, they'd probably, be, um, they'd probably be doing extras on EastEnders or, yeah. or, or whatever. But over there, they get... Cast in um, major network shows. Oh, no, no, AMC isn't network; it's you know cable show. Yeah, good on them. It's a good. It's a good program for the Walking Dead. Yeah, it is. And actually, I think it started out very low key and very specific to the West Coast, but has really branched out into a more of a road trip type story. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Strand. Yeah, the, I like um, Strand. He's great, isn't he? The Chancer. Yeah, he's he's basically a bit of a wide boy. Um, yeah. I I also like the uh, uh, the character played by Reuben Blades. I know that's not his actual name. He's he's got a Hispanic name that I I just mispronounced terribly. But an old the older guy. Um, oh, Daniel. Um, Daniel. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten his surname. Yeah. So yeah, that actor's yeah. been around. For, he's a musician as well, but that actor's been he around for great. years and years. He's so good. Yeah. So so good. Because he's been in it since almost the beginning, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just yeah. bump into him randomly, but then he becomes this. Yeah. Very complex and uh, cool character. I like. Yeah, I like Strand. I think he's got a lot of facets to him, Strand, and. On yeah. the surface, he could just be an utterly selfish, self-serving guy, but actually there's a lot more to him than that. But they're very courageous in the way they treat him because he they, they he wins you over yeah, and you see his heart and then he does something He does something utterly unforgivable, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some uh, interesting characters um, in season four and five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of bring it back. So I think season four is a bit weaker, but it is worth persevering with. Right. Um, and then season five, I think, really picks it back up again. Right. Uh, and I think in season five, there's definitely a um, a Romero esque aspect to it. All right. In season wow. five, which is cool. 
Mm. Um, has that kind of vibe to it, which I think is missing cool. from most of Fear up until that mm -hmm. point. Right. And that might be due to the location changes and um, some of the some of the the choices that they make. But yeah, I got that feeling from it, which was actually quite familiar and and comforting. Mm, mm. Yeah. All right. That's probably enough. Walking enough Dead Walking talk. Dead. Listeners for, probably for this podcast. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I don't have anything. Any other TV to report though. Well, that's probably enough additional yeah. material. Yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> have you? Do you have anything to plug? Oh well, I am. I'm doing a conference talk. Oh. Uh, two conference talks next week at the ACCU conference. I don't know whether there's still tickets available. Um, it's a uh, it's a conference about programming, but a few weeks after the conference, the talks will be available for free on YouTube, so you can look it up there. Will you put I'm a link to those on the um, for on a podcast? Probably, yeah. Okay, I think people will be interested in watching that. I'm doing a talk about character sets and how you how you turn characters into bites and back again. Okay, and all the weird and. Uh, Annoying and funny, weird quirks about how that works yep. because of history. There are historic things there, like to do with multi-byte characters. All kinds of, all kinds. Yeah, of, yeah. it's really cool. And uh, I'm doing a talk with my friend CB about. Uh, it's entitled "How Does the Linker Work?" And ah. CB understands things, and I will just be asking questions. Right. And like I do on this podcast, yeah. just being the dumb one. <laughs> nice. So that should be good too. The linker is like part of like how you can how you make programs in C plus plus. Right. <laughs> Just for, for listeners' information. The linker. <laughs> anyway, it's really cool. Uh, it's a amazing conference. If you uh, if you like programming, I highly recommend some of the terrifyingly clever people from that world. Uh, attend that conference. Is um, they are is really friend, nice is people. friend of the pod Fran doing a uh, talk this year? Yes, Fran and Steve are doing a talk together. I think that that's the only one they're doing. It's possible okay. she's doing another one as well. Right. But yeah, that's where I met Fran. So lots of lovely people like Fran. It's a great, great conference. Cool. I'm looking Excellent. forward to it. Uh, slash, I'm utterly terrified and haven't slept for since like January. Oh, but but you don't sleep at all anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's been worse. <laughs> no, it's been worse. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be over really soon. Scared about about doing these things. Don't yeah, be scared. In a week, don't be scared. Week and a bit. I'll Embrace okay. it. Enjoy it. I'll try. Yeah. Try. Try harder. <laughs> <laughs> Troy. That's what he's called. The other brother. Ah, Troy. Yeah. Troy and Jake. And Nick. Yeah. That's it. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Thanks for putting up with us, listener. We'll see you next Thank time. Thank you. We'll see you, see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>